Welcome to In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga Training. I'm your host, Harriet, founder and yoga teacher at Nourish. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Walsh. Sarah is an experienced mental health practitioner specializing in working with children and families. She's worked in the NHS and social care alongside children and families with complex needs supporting their mental health and relationships. Throughout Sarah's career, she's observed the transformational impact of bringing creativity, yoga, and mindfulness into spaces to promote children and young people's well-being. She is passionate about joining these practices with her mental health training to empower young people to thrive in life. I loved chatting with Sarah. We talked about the importance of seeking new experiences, the roles we inhabit in relationships, and the power of good communication. I can't wait to hear what you think, so do take a listen and feel free to pop us an email. You can find how to contact us in the show notes. Here's my chat with Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey. Welcome to In Our Experience. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited to have a chat with you. So we're going to get started, as I do every episode, by asking what's nourishing you this week. Um, and as I always say, it can be silly, it can be very serious, it can be very big, it can be very small. And I'll help you out by sharing my nourishing thing first. I don't often share a food-related nourishing thing, but this week <laughs> um, I'm having a really fun porridge moment mm. at the, you know, currently. Um, it's quite an unconventional topping situation. I was talking to somebody on the weekend and I was I was like, do you eat breakfast? And they were like, no. And I was like, mm, I feel like you need to address that. But also I have porridge and they were like, what do you put in your porridge? And I was like, but, and they were like, oh. So I, at the moment, am doing peanut butter, obviously, because it's me. And then like I cut up dried apricots. Oh. I know. But so good. And then sunflower seeds, maple syrup and oat milk. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I used to get really obsessed with Leon porridge. Okay. And I feel like I can never get a good consistency on the porridge. Right. Do you feel like your base is good? I feel like my base is good. I would say that my base is quite personal to me and that mm. I, <laughs> I add chia seeds and psyllium husks into the porridge mixture, mm -hmm. which I think I've just acquired the taste for it. But other people would probably think it's like slimy and gross. <laughs> it does sound <laughs> a little bit gross. But please send me the recipe. I'd love to... Yeah, I will. It's it's very it's very straightforward. But um but I just I can't resist the temptation to get a little bit of extra fiber. <laughs> You're just like fiber wherever I can take it, <laughs> I want it. Project. I feel like fiber is gonna you know, that's the reason that I'm gonna live to like hundred and twenty will be fiber. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> there you go. But that's my that's what's nourishing me at the moment. What about you? Um, for me, we had some friends come stay at the weekend from London and I think towards the end of last year, I was a bit like, because we moved to Oxford in September. Mm. What have we done? Like, why are we here? And I think now then having friends come and they were like, whoa, this is such a great city. I took them swimming, went to Hinksley Lake and went swimming Sunday morning. It's really awakened my love of Oxford. Nice. Which is really nice. And so that week, this week, like I went on a walk and I've gone running more and I'm like, yeah, this is a really lovely place to live. So that's been really nice. Oh, that's nice. This is quite a common arc, I will say, for people that move to Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. The first 
particularly I think if you've moved from somewhere like London mm. or Brighton that's maybe a little bit more exciting <laughs> and then you move to Oxford and it's like what do people do here and I know that we've had this conversation yeah. before um where there's not much going on mm-hmm. like there is but it's just different to what if you're used to living in a bigger city you might expect yeah but I'm so pleased to hear that your love of Oxford has been reignited Mm. um particularly because we're coming into spring and oxford in the spring is delightful really yeah would you notice the difference and i think lots of people towards the end of last year were just so burnt out and have like i just want a cocoon for a month Mm -hmm. and now it's more like yeah okay i can enjoy where i am i can go out more try new things and I think that's quite nice to like get into that space. Yeah, I think as well at the moment, trying new things is something that feels really important to me, mm. particularly after, yeah, being quite busy and not so much burnt out, but just full at the end of last year. And then I did nothing over Christmas. It was quite delightful. But then I've had a January of like people cancelling on me because they're sick or mm. got COVID or yeah. whatever. Um but so trying new things, doing new things feels important. Mm, nice. Yeah. But anyway, um, we're here to talk about you, which is very exciting. So tell us tell us a little bit about your background and how you would describe what you do. Mm. So I'm a mental health practitioner and yoga teacher. And what I'm really interested in, I know we've spoken about this as well, is like the relationships that we build with ourselves and other people. Mm. And that interest has really come from so my mum's a family therapist and my sister also works in the same profession as me so you're a family of therapists yeah (laughs) so it's very intense family dinners where we (laughs) and I think from a really young age we had these conversations of like who are we how are we showing up in relationships what might be going on for another person which as a child is pretty intense but it means this way of thinking out the world has been so much a part of me Mm. And so then I started working in social work with children and then in the NHS and working therapeutically with families, thinking about their relationships and their mental health. And I was really lucky to work on some projects where we moved away from traditional talking therapies. So I worked on one project where we took families away who were experienced lots of difficulties. We took them to a farm for a week, which was very intense. We took them like herding sheep, like pecking vegetables, getting them up early and feeding the animals. And one thing I noticed from that was like, we don't have to talk about the problem for like things to shift in relationships. Oh, yes. (laughs) So like from doing different things, from experiencing relationships differently, like change can happen. Mm. But those little projects were quite few and far between. So we also took families rock climbing, which was great. I think rock climbing as well can be another one that tends to be quite wealthy, quite middle class, quite separate. Mm. So we used to take families rock climbing and then we went took them camping in the Peak District for a weekend, mm. which was so nice to have people, families that maybe had never left London. Yeah. We like going away, experiencing new things. Yeah. And I think that's what drew me to yoga as well. Okay. So I was practicing in London And I was really interested, like, how could this be part of my mental health practice? Mm. Like, could I share this with families? What would this look like? And 
after I qualified, we started offering yoga to families that we worked with and no one came. It was purely stuff. Because <laughs> I think when you say yoga, loads of people are like, that is not for me. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I do know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how we started to say, okay, movement. And then we were really fortunate in our building. We had a gym downstairs because we were part of a youth offending service that had a gym for lots of the young people that came through there. So we started having like family activity evenings. So we did some gym stuff. I would do some like movement and breathing. We'd have arts. We ended up getting a pool table. Like it was just this wild family space. Sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. And then lots of people would say, oh, okay. I didn't realize this was yoga. I didn't think like me moving my body, connecting and realizing that I have a body. Mm. I think... And at the moment, so I'm training in trauma-sensitive yoga. And looking back on my practice, I realize how many families or people in general really struggle to be with their bodies and their breath. Mm. Because it's like, for a long time, not being with their bodies or not being with their breath has been a safe space. Mm-hmm. It's like that disconnection brought them some safety. Definitely. But then now trying to access some sort of emotional regulation or calm isn't that possible because there's such a big disconnect yeah and so all of that kind of led me to leaving those jobs because those little nuggets of really exciting projects weren't enough they were kind Mm. of like sporadic and in between and the main ways we would do things was quite problem saturated and really like talking about people's histories which I think can be so blame like focused Mm -hmm. and I know in my own therapy I don't want to keep going over things like it's helpful to a point yeah but what I found helpful is connecting with what my body needs connecting with people around me and like starting to actually put things into practice mm-hmm. to do it different mm-hmm. so I'm now teaching in Oxford I teach at Everybody studio which oh we is love lovely. everybody studio yeah, yeah it's such a nice space and it's nice to find people that are thinking I think really similar to you as well like okay Ox- like how are we thinking about yoga? Mm. Like, what does that mean? How can we do it that's really accessible for people? Um, and I'm starting to set yoga up as an after-school club, which super is super exciting, really exciting. And again, having that as a space for neurodiverse kids, maybe kids with mental health conditions that can like come and access those benefits, but like in a fun, creative way. Mm. I was chatting with Lily, who's also a kids yoga teacher. And we're like, you have to always say to people, this will look nothing like an adult's class. Mm -hmm. It'll be like wild with songs, with like dancing and like maybe some stretching, maybe not. And that's great. Yeah. And then, so I mentioned my sister also does similar work to me. From our work, we're really interested in doing something together. It's like she works in a similar area. And so now we're starting to set up toddler and parent classes to think about emotional regulation and through like fun creative ways of doing that amazing which we're really really excited about it's been like years of being like how can we do this this could be really exciting and different and now we're starting to plan and do things it's so energizing and that Mm. feels really nourishing hey hey <laughs> nice. I mean, there are there are many threads in there that I that I want to pull on that I think are really interesting. 
um, the f- I guess the first one for me is what you said around not necessarily needing to like tackle issues head on. Mm. I love mm-hmm. because I think, I mean, it's certainly been true of my own experiences in therapy, in yoga, in life that sometimes we can get so tunnel visioned around mm-hmm. what we think our issues are and I think it can be so tricky like if we just keep rehashing shit over and over and sometimes you know the way to navigate these things is to sort of I don't know just go and do something else like one one of the one of the things I often say to people when I'm leading a meditation practice and we might be doing a um mindfulness of breath and just as you said breath can sometimes be quite a challenging Mm. thing for people particularly if they've spent years feeling dissociated from their bodies or trapped in their bodies like the breath can be quite a a challenging focus point so often what I'll do in 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 this meditation practice is I'll say we're going to bring our attention towards our breath and sometimes what happens when people do that if they're new to that practice is they'll get a reflex of like constricted breath or the Mm -hmm. breath will get quite labored Mm. and I'll be like notice if that's happening for you and if it is let's ignore the breath for a little minute like let your attention be elsewhere like I don't know think about lunch or daydream (laughs) or whatever and then eventually we can sort of circle back around to the breath and maybe things will have changed but if you spend too much time trying, trying to control or thinking that you really need to do anything, mm. then you sometimes ha- you can have quite a uh, like opposite of the effect that you're really going for, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I find really interesting. And in the trauma training I'm doing at the moment had a module on like trauma and memory. Mm. And what like trauma research has been showing is that the way the brain reacts when we experience something traumatic is like the thinking part of our brain goes offline because mm. it can't handle or process it. Mm. So the main way that the memory will be stored in our brain is through physical experiences and breath. Mm. So then when we try and talk about something traumatic and use language, sometimes it's not possible because the way that trauma memory has been formed has been without language. Mm. Broca's area, isn't it? I think that's what it's called. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So oh, I will fact check myself on this, <laughs> but... Broca's area is the part of the brain that processes speech Mm -hmm. and in trauma survivors it just doesn't work particularly well so Mm -hmm. it's why uh, exactly what you're saying like the memories are formed without speech so you have a really hard time articulating what's happened to you because you just haven't Mm. your brain hasn't integrated it in that way yeah and so then the way we like traditional Western forms of therapy are to talk about the trauma, then you don't have language. Mm. And for lots of people there, they're thinking, okay, I'm finally ready to explore this. I want to go there. And then it starts like a cycle of shame because Mm. they can't. And it's not because there's not a will or a desire. Maybe it's not possible. Mm. And I saw that a lot in when I was working in a family therapy clinic families would really want to do things differently and would have Mm. such a desire to be the parents that their children needed. But maybe talking therapies weren't the best option for them. But within 
the NHS and social care. That's all we really know how to do. Mm. These like alternative ways of thinking are seen as like interesting different projects, but it's about talking. And I think like, how else can we do this? And there's yeah. so many ways that you can so move many. through it. Yeah. I th- I just think it's so interesting. And like the, the, I think one of the roles that yoga has really played for me in my life has been a way of processing and integrating like without, without speech. Mm. Um, it's really interesting to me now because I think I'm very comfortable with speech. I'm, I, I think I'm a good communicator. Um, but that has been something that has come to me quite late in life. And I, you know, there was probably a shift for me, uh, you know, really, I would say only maybe like three or four years ago where I really felt this like opening up in my ability to verbally communicate. Mm. But before then I just hadn't like, I don't know, hadn't done enough integrating, hadn't done enough therapy. I don't know what it is, but now, you know, uh, it feels quite open, but it, it is a sign for me that like, if I'm in a place of dysregulation, I just, I can't, I literally can't talk. Mm. Um, and I was in a relationship with somebody and um, like we would be having not necessarily arguments, but like discussions. And he would constantly say to me, like, why can't you talk about this? Like, you know, because it would just like, what would have been something that could have been resolved now, perhaps in like 30 minutes would stretch out into hours because I literally couldn't, I couldn't vocalize. I couldn't put the words together. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me now, even to this day, it's like, easily it's an instant signal to me that I don't feel safe with somebody that my nervous system is like "Mm -mm, this person is not for you if I find myself like losing that ability or capacity to talk Mm. um see I think I'm the opposite okay I'm and I think I do wonder how much of this comes from like being raised by a therapist (laughs) talking and analyzing is my like jam okay I can and but when for me there's something I and what I'm trying to do much more is like, how do I feel physically? Yeah. How does this feel in my body? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. am I able to have this conversation? Mm. And I, with my partner, I'll often say like, the conversation that we're having isn't what either of us thinks it is. Because yeah. neither of us are connected right now to ourselves. Yeah. And like, let's have a break and come back. Because I can unsurprisingly analyze our relationship for us like I will take on (laughs) the role of like partner and therapist which is like so unhealthy yeah but it sounds really good right I can like talk us into a place like oh this is you know genius but actually there's real merit in saying you know let's take a break and come back Mm. I want to be connected to myself I want to be like able because only through being connected to myself can I connect to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true as well for parenting, for intimate relationships, for friendships. Like if we don't feel really connected and grounded within ourselves, we can't have those like nourishing relationships that we want. Mm. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, there's so much. I, yeah, I I look back and I, I I mean I sort of look around at my life and I look at the relationships that I have and it's almost quite startling to me I didn't have a lot of friends growing up mm-hmm. um I moved around a lot like I went to a lot of different schools and I was sort of always the 
odd one out. And I think my oldest, my oldest friend now um, is someone that I met at uni. So it's really only like 10, 11 years. Mm -hmm. And I have the most incredible relationships, but they really have only, I don't know, like, I think I enjoy them more now than I ever have in my life. And it's because I'm like more grounded and more connected mm. in myself. Like I feel more able to meet people where they are and with what's going on. Um, but yeah, I hear what you're saying about, about that connectedness. Mm. Well, I'm going to ask a question, then, mm -hmm. which is, do you, you were talking about how you take on the role of both, partner and therapist <laughs> in your relationship mm. but I'm guessing you must also do this in like most of your friendships potentially mm -hmm. as well mm. um and I I do this as well I slip into like the coach mm -hmm. quite easily um <laughs> I went on a date with somebody recently and um it was we, we just went on a first date and like he was lovely I just never wanted to see him again but uh, great, first date. great, great first date. <laughs> um, but he, I, I was asking him like, what a great date, like, what does a great date feel like? And I said, I was like, I'm aware that's a very yoga teacher question mm. to ask, but like, you know, can't help it. Um, and he, he really, he really struggled to answer. He's like, what do you mean? What does it feel like? I was like, what does it feel like in your body? He was like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we're probably, we're probably not going to do this, you know, but it was, it was sort of at that point I was like, oh, you're really disembodied. I was like, I'm not sure that I can do this. Mm. You want to find your person that's like, oh, well in my body, I want it to feel like this calm or I want to feel it in my belly or my, do you know what I mean? They want to yeah, name yeah, it and be yeah. with it. I think for me and I know I've had this definitely through a journey of like this type of work my own therapy supervision it's like when my identity is only being the helper or mm. only being the person that can have those kind of conversations again then I'm disconnected mm. that's not like my authentic self that's a role I've taken on because of life experience yeah and I know in the past that has felt very fulfilling in quite unhelpful ways. So then it's about having those friendships where I'm not taking on that role, that I feel that physical connection to myself. I have access to like a language that feels comfortable and natural. Mm. And I think also then being able to say, I don't feel comfortable with this conversation or knowing within myself, okay, this person is really seeking for me to tell them, Mm. what I think from a therapeutic perspective and I don't have to nope I think we've spoken about this before like when people like talk, try and like get a bit of yoga coaching yeah and you just let it land yeah you don't have to like no pick it up every time yeah 100% yeah I think it's I think one of the one of the consistent themes of my uh, my pattern in relationships is um, learning to allow space for people to step forward towards mm. me rather than me being always the one that steps forward towards them. Um, and like, you know, I have been working on this for, I'm going to say like mm, 12 years in therapy. Mm -hmm. Like it's still very much a work in progress, 
but yeah, not having to, I like that language you used about not having to pick it up. Like just because somebody's like waving it out there, <laughs> you know, and it, they're doing their like, their little like help me dance. <laughs> doesn't mean, doesn't, doesn't mean that you, yeah, doesn't mean that you have to. Cause I think the thing for me is that I, I, it's, it's interesting. I don't have many friends that aren't also yoga people. Mm-hmm which I'm fine with and I love. But when I I think one of the issues that I have with non-yoga people and like non-yoga people, I want to be your friend too, (laughs) but um, is, is I do have a hard time not picking that up. But then I get resentful because I'm like, I don't want to be your yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. I just want to be your friend. Um, it's almost exclusively why I refuse to date people that, do yoga because <laughs> I don't want to have to navigate that yeah no no yoga people no Australians those are my rules nice. but um, you know it's 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 hard to resist like the siren call <laughs> of, of somebody wanting help yeah that's so alluring and actually then but then it's for me and historically, and I guess, you know, if you're drawn to yoga, if you're drawn to work in mental health in a helping profession, mm. that's a fulfilling experience. Oh, yeah. But then when has it become the only fulfilling experience or that that is your only identity? Mm. And I think that's a really fine line. And also to be able to say with the most love and compassion, I can't be your person for this mm-hmm. because... I have opinions and interests in your life because you're my friend. Mm. I can't be your therapist. Mm. Like, I love the fact that I know very little about my therapist. (sighs) And she's this beautiful little container I drop into every couple of weeks (laughs) and I leave. Sometimes when she talks, I'm like, this is my space. <laughs> when you are used to like holding everyone else's story, and like she does, she'll go on little tangents very rarely. But yeah, I do have that thought. Yeah. Because, and a friend can't be that person sometimes, but they also have their own like story and their own baggage that they bring to it. 100%. I think, yeah, I think it's so, I, I find it endlessly fascinating like navigating those, you know, like, boundaries and themes in relationships. Um, I also know very little about my therapist, mm. which I love. Mm-hmm. I met her. I so my current my current therapist I started seeing um during lockdown. So I only ever had done Zoom sessions for her with her. And then one day I just ran into her in <gasps> Oxford and it's I like, was like no. <gasps> she was like, you're a whole person. I was like, you're a whole person too. It was really lovely. Was it? It was really nice. That reminds me of when you were a child and you'd see a teacher in a supermarket. Oh, yeah. Like, no, you exist only in school of my therapist. She exists literally on Zoom in her little office. It's wonderful. I wouldn't want it. She is from London. It was a recommendation from a friend. Mm. So I quite like that there's that separation Separation as well. is good. Mm. Yeah. No, it is nice. Or it's like when, like, I think people, but students also do this with yoga teachers. Like we just exist on Zoom or in their classes, you know, in the studio. And then like, they'll see you at the pub and they're like, they do a double take. And you're like, <laughs> yes, this is me sitting here with a pint. <laughs> Please leave me alone. No, I'm all, like students, 
Please say hi to me. I'm always happy to see you. <laughs> Yoga teaching is an interesting and very gray area, oh, I think. The grayest of grays. Because with therapy, I think it's very clear. And well, like I worked in London, which is huge, and mm. I'd never work in the borough that I lived in. I was wanted to live quite far away from work. I didn't want there to be any crossover. But with yoga, I think it's a really confusing, like, gray mm-hmm. area of... You can be friends with students. Mm-hmm. But then when it you have private sessions or you see people where you live, like, I think that's... And we've been talking about this. Mm, we have. And we're going to have more conversations we're about it, which is exciting. About, like, yeah. what types of relationships are we having as yoga teachers? Oof. Oof. So many. It's tricky because I have friends... I have friends that have become... Students that have become friends. Um, I've had also, and we were talking about this recently, because you asked me a really good question, which was, do I find it difficult working with my friends? Mm. Because almost exclusively the people that work with me Mm -hmm. in Nourish are like, you know, half a dozen of my closest friends that I'm in contact with on like essentially a daily basis anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, "Eh, no. Like, I know, I understand, like, some people would find it really challenging. But for me, I I find it more challenging to work with people that I'm not friends with. Um, but I think it also happened gradually, mm. um, which I think was really important for that shift. It wasn't like one day I was their friend and the next day I was their boss. Mm-hmm. Like, it sort of, it happened in different phases and different stages, which meant that over time everybody was comfortable. But... It's tricky. Mm, my experience of you is that you're a very clear communicator, which I think is really helpful working together and being friends. So mm. I think with you, my experience of you has been like you're very clear and very like, oh, I know where, completely know where Harriet stands with this, knows her views, and you're very upfront, which makes it much easier, I think, which I really appreciate. Oh, thank you. Mm, you're welcome. I will, I'm glad to hear that that's your experience because that is literally what I try to do Great. <laughs> mission accomplished tick um well I also just like don't know how to be any other way mm. and when people like nothing frustrates me more than poor communication mm-hmm. because it's unnecessary and it just causes so many so many issues where it doesn't need to mm. I my sister told me about this these do you know Gabo Mate talks about trauma obviously because I'm really interested in that (laughs) there was a talk that he did and someone he had on spoke about how an emotion that isn't expressed gets stored in the body Mm. and I think that's so important like if you have an emotion you need to express with someone like with love and compassion this is what's going on for me Mm. otherwise it gets stored and it exists in your relationship in an unexpressed way Mm. which I think is so important I think that's really interesting. One of the things that I often do with friends is that I'll just like, I'll just say the things that need to be said in the sense that, or often, I don't know, maybe I, something happens at work or something happens with a student or, um, I like, I've actually, students are a good example. Like often I'll have like a projection or like a, um, some sort of response to a student that will come up and it's nothing to do with the student. Mm -hmm. I know that, but I still need to like say it I need to name it and I need to like get it gone Mm. so I have friends that I can go to and I can be like I'm just naming this 
like I'm putting a pin in it so I can like be free of it in mm. a sense. I think it's so important um, because otherwise it just sort of will come back up in a way that you weren't expecting when you don't need it to. Yeah. When you're feeling vulnerable and it's like, oh, yeah. hello. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have here? Mm. Oh, fascinating. Um, well, so sadly, we are already running out of time. <gasps> I know. How does it go? It's just so quickly. <sighs> but I would love to hear where people can find you, what you're up to, mm. what you're doing. Um, so at the moment, my main place is accessiblechildrensyoga.co.uk. Right. That's me, nice and simple. Um, in the spring in East Oxford, I'll be starting yoga as an after-school club. So come to the website to find out more about that and the parent-toddler classes with my sister, which I'm really excited for. Again, spring, East Oxford. Amazing. It's a place to be. It's a place to be, East Oxford. Uh, and... You and I might be working on a little something as well. Mm. So for any yoga teachers interested in exploring the relationships that they hold, stay tuned. We have things in the works. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out, why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.